0: Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Do you sometimes find yourself on autopilot for days or weeks at a time? Literally just going through the motions of leading your organization, but not getting joy or awe from your work. My friend, you're not alone. There have been times in my career that I have felt that way too. And I am so incredibly proud that we have got Steve Fredland to come on today to help us find wonder and excitement in our world. Steve is known worldwide as the Safari Dude, and he will help you bring the wonder and excitement of a safari into your daily life. Steve is an actuarian who recognized and escaped the good life trap. As an author, a two-time TEDx speaker, a coach, and a keynote speaker, he guides others on this path to greater joy and fulfillment. In our episode today, he is going to share with you the big five factors that can bring more happiness to your work, to your leadership, and to your life. Hey, Steve, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Dolph. I'm excited to be here.
0: Steve, when you talk about your life before finding this new sense of joy and fulfillment, you say that you are in a good life trap. Can you share some more?
1: Yeah, so so my career uh, as an actuary was about 25 years long and it was a good life. It was just, you know, it created this really good financial stability. Uh, I had a, you know, great marriage, all of these things on paper that were so good, but I was becoming increasingly unhappy. And, you know, this ultimately became a trap for me because you work that hard, you work to that level of position, you get to that certain, you know, place where now financially, leadership-wise, influence, everything is so good, and you feel trapped because what change do you make at that point? And it's hard to, to make that transition. So that was kind of the, the good life trap that I found myself in. And then I ended up being really miserable inside of that.
0: On paper, you had the perfect life. But in reality, you were really struggling.
1: Yeah, it, it did in all of the on-paper ways, right? Great pay, great bonuses, great influence, great leadership, all of those things were, were perfect. So everybody from the outside would say, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, that that's a great job. But yeah, internally, it was becoming less and less fulfilling because it was all based around my ability with math, which at the end of the day, I don't even know if I liked doing math. But, but I was good at it. And so I kept getting jobs related to it. Um, and that was where a big part of the unfulfillment was Part of it was the math. Part of it was the management. You know, I'd get I'd get promoted, and then I'm like, I don't even like this. I, I mean, I'm good with people. I like people, but I I don't like to do the the roles of management. I'm a visionary. I love casting vision, and I think a lot of nonprofit leaders are like that. I love having a vision. I love strategic problem solving. But then there's the day to day management pieces of it that you get stuck on. You know, where you're managing staff or you're interacting with the board in sort of a, a non exciting way, and you know, it just becomes drudgery. And you're just like, man, I just want to I want to go after this mission. That that i have yeah it's the same kind of thing where you feel like you're a visionary trapped in a management role
0: it's interesting that you say that i've found in my own coaching work that so often somebody will get promoted to a manager or leader position and then find that you know they really just don't enjoy managing or leading people and it starts to suck the joy out of their work
1: the the big the big thing for me is during the course of my miserable last 10 years in the corporate world uh, i was also going on african safaris uh, i was actually doing humanitarian work in rwanda and we put on uh, we we'd add on a couple of days of safari on the end of those things and so i was in charge of leading those safaris putting them all together and the big turning point for me in my life outside of work was realizing i was spending all of this time and effort and intentionality making sure that i was creating these epic safari adventures And I was not putting nearly as much intentionality, time and effort into the rest of my life. I was treating these African safaris like these epic adventures, which they are, and treating the rest of my life like the stuff that happens between adventures. And so the big turning point was I I, I did this experiment where I said, what if. I put the same intentionality toward African safaris into the rest of my life. What if I took the same principles that I applied to making an African safari amazing from everything from planning the safari to who's gonna be on the trip to how are we gonna spend our time? How are we gonna interact with the locals? What are we gonna do at the airports? Like all of these things that I was very intentional about with the safari, what if I applied those to the rest of my life and the results were amazing? Like it it was transformational. And I'm like, what is going on here? I shared it with a couple of other uh, leaders that I know who are in the same sort of situation. They were like, this is amazing. I'm becoming happier. I feel more empowered. I feel more more confident. You know. And so that's how this that was the real turning point to go like, what if I started living my life like an epic safari adventure? And it's made all the difference.
0: You say that making an experience epic is essential in order to wring the full measure of joy out of it. How do you do that?
1: Oh I mean, just going there and seeing animals is great. like like no doubt there. but there's what what makes it epic is the intentionality of really knowing what kind of experience you want to have and then living it out, kind of aligning everything to that. Uh, for example, when we were going there, one of the trips, the safari guide asked me, what kind of African Safari experience do you want to have? And I was so confused because I thought they were all the same. Right. It, it's jeeps, it's lions, it's zebras, it's acacia trees, it's savannah, right? That that's what a, that's what an experience is. He said, No, no, that's that's the default, and it's good, but there's so many other options. And so I think that's the real centerpiece of this thing. It's the real centerpiece of our life, too, is figuring out like what, what kind of experience do we actually want to have and kind of getting away from the default. So once we do that, that's what makes a safari epic because now you're doing things that you really want to do, not just settling for the default, which again is good, but to make it epic, it's all about really understanding ourselves to the point where we know what kind of experience we want to have.
0: So choosing your experience is the first of those big five factors.
1: It is, I kind of gave it away, but that that's because that's really the central, that's the most foundational part. Like if you don't do that, the rest of the safari, the decisions don't really matter as much. Same thing with life. If we don't know what kind of experience we want to have, and we don't really intentionally choose it, the rest of it doesn't matter. It's sort of like Alice in Wonderland. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, that kind of idea. Uh, and so that's why, yeah, I kind of I gave away the first one, but that's because it's just such a central part of
0: it. You know, Steve, I'm often amazed that people with a tremendous amount of privilege, we're talking about people with college degrees, good work experience, etc who will find themselves stuck in a bad experience and not choose a better one. And we see them do this at work, and of course, also outside of work.
1: It's it's so true, and that's. I thought I was so alone in that. That's exactly how I felt, and I felt so guilty about that. And I know there's nonprofit leaders that I work with that are probably listening to this as well that that have the same feeling. Where what right do I have to be unhappy? What right do I have to feel trapped? I'm, you know, privileged to, you know, maybe, you know. For me, I live in the United States. I'm a male. I'm well educated. I mean, all of these, all of these factors. Um you win the you won the lottery by just living in the United States to start with there and then I have this great job with a great you know a great salary and you know what right do I have and I think that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks to to releasing ourselves into the life that we really want with excitement and joy and the top down and the wind blowing through our hair is because we feel so guilty that we're not happy already
0: Can you share a safari experience that would demonstrate that
1: For sure it started with that person saying What kind of experience do you want to have? He challenged the default that we had thinking. And that's what actually brought us to go visit these mountain gorillas. And we had this amazing experience that I could talk for hours about that we never would have had if he hadn't said, well, what kind of experience do you want to have? And sort of challenged the default way of doing safari. Yeah.
0: And you talk about the fact in the big five factor that after you choose your experience, you also have to find people who want a similar experience as you, right?
1: I mean, they're all there because so we call them the big five because, you know, anything about African safaris, there's the big five animals. So it's kind of that clever thing. And they're all there because they're all super powerful. So it really depends. It's interesting that different ones resonate with different people. But getting the right peeps in your Jeep to me is, is that it's the second one that I that I list primarily because if you don't do that, if you're on an African safari, you don't have the right peeps in your Jeep. It just it erodes the whole joy of the thing, and that's the the key is it's not necessarily about if they're good or bad people, it's if they're right people for the from the mission that you're on. We've had some really great people that I'm still friends with to this day that have been on some of the trips that we've taken, but they weren't the right people in the jeep. They were, you know, they were getting miserable in certain situations. They were. On their phone when we're looking for lions, they're just like they—they they were on a safari. They weren't on safari, right? They were on a mission. They weren't on mission. And I think that's so critical, especially in the nonprofit leadership world, where who are the peeps that we're surrounding ourselves with? Are they people that are as hot and and passionate about the mission that that we're on? Are they you know are they aligned with what we're trying to do? Are they connected with each other? Uh, and I think the one of the biggest the reason why I call this out is it's one of the biggest struggles of leadership is trying to identify who are the right peeps for our, for our Jeeps, because we automatically assume that they are the people with the right skills, knowledge, and abilities. And then they end up being, you know, unmotivated, unproductive, disengaged, they end up leaving. And we're wondering, why are they doing this? Because we're not focusing on the right peeps who are those who are really aligned with the mission. They're connected with, with each other. They're connected with the vision. And, and so that's a lot of what I've studied is, is how do you build effective teams? And a lot of that is based more on alignment and connection than it is around skills, knowledge, and abilities.
0: And in the nonprofit sector, our work is often hard. Things don't go as expected. We have difficulties. And much like in the safari, I would imagine there's times, for example, that like the Jeep breaks down. And so you've really got to have people in that Jeep that are willing to really step up in those situations and still be able to find some joy or wonder in that situation. 100%.
1: Actually, the fifth one is, is embrace your adventure. And these all tie together because you need the right peeps who are willing to embrace the adventure. Because here's the reality. When you go on an African safari, there are some great things that happen. But like you said, there are flat tires. You do get stuck in the mud. We've been mugged by baboons. We've been surrounded and chased by elephants. We went through an airport fire where we were stranded in Nairobi. We've had these negative things that have happened. And we've had boring times, right? There's times where you drive for miles without seeing animals. There's all these... Ups, downs, highs, lows, knowns, unknowns. This is the very nature of an African safari. Like this is what it means to be on safari. And if you don't have the right peeps who are willing to embrace that adventure, like Brad, who was with us, and we went through some really tough stuff, and he finds these storks and he's out dancing with storks. And it just changed the whole tenor, tenor of the of the mode. And the reason I like that one so much is because that is so much like our life. It's like our leadership and nonprofit world. It's like the rest of our life, it's like our relationships. The very nature of being human, the very nature of leadership is ups and downs, highs, lows, knowns, unknowns. We each have this unique story, but what's not unique is that we all have this. We all have these great things that happen, and we all have these medical diagnoses. We all, I mean, there's all these things. That is the very nature of it, and the more that we can embrace it rather than try to shield ourselves, protect ourselves from, you know, complain about it, the more that we can actually embrace it and realize this is part of our story. This is part of our journey, whether it's on in Africa or in our, in the rest of our life, that's how we become happier.
0: Steve, what do you say to those folks who tell you, Hey, I'm never going to be able to go on a safari. So if that's what I have to do to go find joy, am I in trouble?
1: Yeah, yeah. The whole point of the talk, the whole point of my message is not go on safari, even though, you know, after every talk, I've got 20 people that say, hey, if you ever go on safari, let me know. I mean, because it's a bucket list item for everybody. But the point is not to go on safari. The point is to view our lives as a safari, to view our lives as an epic adventure. Helen Keller said life is either an epic adventure or it's nothing at all. And what I'm trying to do is help people shift their paradigm to realize you don't need to go on a Safari to be on Safari. You are on Safari right now. Tell me a little bit about your story. And it's always filled with ups, downs, highs, lows, knowns, unknowns. I mean, so I try to help people understand that the very nature of nonprofit leadership is on safari. You are on safari. You don't have to go to Africa to be on safari. You are on safari. And what I want to share with you is here's how you can make it more epic. Here's how you can be happier inside of it. Here's how you can embrace it more fully. Here's how you can become more fully alive. Here's how you can increase your contentment. That's what the big five is about. It's about really how we do it in our actual day-to-day life just viewed through the lens of a safari, because I think that makes it more fun. Uh, it makes it more relatable. Uh, we can we can use the common language of, hey, I got the right peeps in my Jeep. We can use the common language of, I feel like I was surrounded by elephants. Uh, and so that is, that is my encouragement to people. And that's why at the end of my talk, I always have these little fun giveaways. I usually give away like a soapstone hippo, but I also give away just these fun little trinkets that people can just take, like little finger puppets or buttons of a lion, just to remind yourself. Um, that led life is an adventure. So I tell people, just put something on your desk, put something on your phone. Just as a reminder, you are on an epic adventure right now. And here's how you can actually uh, find greater happiness in that.
0: How do those folks who are not going to go on safari use your safari principle to really reinvigorate their work life?
1: Yeah, what we found is it's those big five. That's what's worked for me, my friends. As I've, in, I've introduced this into my executive coaching, introduced this into my talks, more and more of these big five really is that that is the formula that we found uh, where it's, you know, choose your experience. And that's the hardest one because we have all of these with All these default ways of thinking, acting, behaving that we inherited as young people. We've got all these expectations that people have put on us. Uh, we've got all, all the shoulds. I say we get should on all the time. You know, hey, you should do this. I should do this. You know, so we have all of those external influences that make it really hard to strip it away and ask ourselves, What kind of experience, what kind of life do you actually want to have? So the first key to really becoming having a more epic life, a more epic adventure, is really knowing yourself at that level, stripping away all of those external influences, which is hard, and saying, what do I honestly really want my experience to be in leadership or in life or my job, whatever whatever that is? So once we do that, then the rest of it falls into place in terms of now, get the people around you, get the right peeps in your Jeep, who will support you, encourage you, uh, contribute to that experience that you're trying to have. And then do the unright thing. Uh, I encourage people to do this. Is number three where I encourage people, you know, we've we've tried so hard our entire life to do the right thing. And this is the case for most leaders, nonprofit leaders included. I just, I'm always trying to do it right, get the right grades, not don't smoke, don't drink, go to the right school. You know, marry the right person, you know, uh, have the right job, take the right promotion, have the right car, you know, get the right house. We try, you know, we're always trying to do the right thing. And sometimes happiness is found in doing the unright thing. Uh, And so that's part of this thing is just be aware of that, that maybe happiness uh, is found in doing the unright thing. Pause and take in the view is the fourth one, which is really about gratitude. How do we, as we're scrambling from thing to thing and day to day and all this different stuff, how do we just pause? And taking the view of the amazing things that are happening, that that provides such an epic lens that we don't realize because we're moving from thing to thing and then embracing the adventure. Uh, so I kind of went through the big five quick. But the reason is, you know, you say, how do we live a more epic life? This is it. This f- These five things, we found that if we start doing these things, it just, it just happens. It naturally pours out of us. Then now we realize we're on this epic adventure. And we've set it up where we're enjoying life aligned with things that we actually want. Versus things that we should want, uh, and we're experiencing it.
0: I think one of the things that really holds us back sometimes, Steve, is we have this sense of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of doing something really difficult or even disappointing someone. And that's true whether we decide, hey, this person isn't going to be a peep in our Jeep, or we decide to do the unright thing and go down the path that's not the easy path for us.
1: Yeah. And that's my that's my story. I think that was the biggest thing holding me back for so long was that that need for external validation, that need for external affirmation. I wanted everybody around me to feel like I was doing it right, uh, that to be proud of me, to encourage me to all of those things. And so that was, you know, you can live that way. And, And some people do and some people are perfectly fine. They're not impacted at all. But for me, that was the weight that I was feeling. And so if you want to break free from that, it does take risk. And that was very hard, but once you really have a, you can't just take the risk without knowing where you want to go. The, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But once you've, once you've done that work to realize this is the kind of life I actually want. I want to creatively contribute to this positive community. Like that's sort of where, where I end up going. Like, that's what I want. Now the rest of it falls into place because now say, you know, I'm going to be empowered. I'm going to take control. I'm going to have the agency to choose the people that are in my Jeep, people that are not in my Jeep. And it is risky. I'm in Minnesota. The Minnesota nice people pleasing thing is a real thing. And I've kicked people out of my Jeep and I've tried to do it graciously. I've tried to do it as tactfully as I can. And it was terrible but afterward, I felt so empowered that I'm now living the life that I truly want to live. And I still think I'm a nice guy, but, you know, but you have to, it is risky. And then doing the unright thing, it's not necessarily about doing the wrong thing. But yeah, just not what people are expecting. My goodness, I'm I'm an actuary. I went through, you know, all the all the education. I went through eight years of just terrible exams, passing it all. And now I'm a motivational speaker. Like, this doesn't make any sense. This is not the right thing to do but I'm doing what I love. And so it does take risk. It does take challenge. But here's the the one thing I realized in all this is even if you're trying to do everything right, which I did for years, I still had people not happy with what I was doing. Like I was doing podcasts and I was delivering content for free. And I was doing the nonprofit work, which was just volunteer and all this stuff. And people still weren't happy with me. Like I was exhausted trying to please everybody and it still didn't work. So why not? do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have people that don't agree with it either way, but either way, I'm going to have that, you know what I mean? So uh, it is risky, but boy, once you start going down that road and please take this from a a long time recovering people pleaser, the other side of this, where you start uh, taking the agency for your own life is so empowering. If, If I really want to be happy, I need to pursue it. And if you want to come along with me, amazing. Let's go on the adventure together. And if you don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, if you're happy there, you're content there. Great. If you're not, but you don't want to change, I can't do that, but I can't be, I can't stay there any longer. And the interesting part is this real revelation of of living life like a safari. The real happiness wasn't just because I quit my corporate job. I had quit that. And it'd been a few years where I was still pretty miserable trying to find myself. So my message isn't about, oh, quit your job and you'll be happy. Nothing's really changed in the last few years other than my perspective. Um, and I think that has made all the difference because now I feel like I'm on this adventure. I'm on this journey. As far as I know, we only get one shot at this thing and all of our parks are going to close. And so I've just decided before my park closes, I want to have the epic adventure that I'm really hoping for. And so I think, I think some people hear the message. They're like, oh, okay, we all have to quit our jobs. No, uh, you don't necessarily. Maybe it's just changing your paradigm. But yeah, you might need to leave some people behind that aren't willing to go where you want to go. But you can find new peeps in your in your Jeep that are that are looking to do that.
0: I know back in 2023 I really had to have that radical shift in my own worldview and in my own work life. So it's one of the many reasons why I left my job and took some time off and traveled to figure out who I was and also really to connect with Wonder. I am curious, though, do you find that oftentimes people need that radical change in order to make the shift?
1: It is. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, my my radical change didn't happen at the time that I left my job, but I'm sure that was part of paving the way for that. Uh, because I had to kind of discover who I am, because I needed to try to make money somehow, and so it probably led to some other questions there. But yeah, I think some people are going to need a radical, uh, a radical change. Some people are just going to need a paradigm shift. Because as I've as I've spoken a lot of people, a lot of places, now I started to get, you know, it's been long enough. Enough people are getting back to me now saying I just changed my perspective on my team. Even, you know, I, I was so frustrated with my team, uh, and I just changed the lens through which I viewed them. Now I realize we're all in the jeep together, and you know, I've tried to encourage them to to do things a little bit differently. And so, yeah, I think sometimes you need the radical change for sure, because you're just in a situation where I'm never going to be who I really am meant to be in this situation. But sometimes, uh, I think it, it can be a little more subtle.
0: Speaking of needing a change, Steve, for more than 300 episodes, we've been doing an off the map question that helps our friends who listen, get to know our guests in a more personal way. And honestly, I've just grown tired of doing an off-the-map question. It no longer brings me joy, and it no longer sparks the same interest that it used to. And if I was really being honest, I probably should have stopped doing it about 50 episodes ago. And it's one of the reasons why we have transitioned to two truths and a lie. So, Steve, I am hoping that you will share with me two truths and a lie, and I will do my best to guess which are true and which are not.
1: I yeah, I you prepared me for this, so I've, I've got it ready. You ready for this? All right. So here are the here are the two truths and a lie. I have won a championship in math league. I've won a championship in rodeo. I've won a championship in lip sync.
0: Okay, so I know you were an actuarian, which makes me think you probably were a mathlete. I don't think you are a lip sync champion. So I think you probably also are a champion in rodeo. How did I do?
1: Incorrect. <laughs> I'm actually a five time lip sync lip sync champion. I am. Yeah, I won. Uh, I won the event, and then I won all four years when I was in college. An annual lip sync contest. I won it all four years. So, so there you go. Rodeo is a little, I mean, I'm a country guy, so that, that's going I was trying to fool you with that one. Uh, but no, I don't have any gold buckles from any rodeo championships.
0: <laughs> so if you were a lip sync champion for four years in a row at the same school, I'm assuming you didn't do the same song all four times.
1: I would say uh, Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top was was one of my favorite ones that I ever did. I did Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, too, which was kind of fun. Uh, but but uh, yeah, the ZZ Top one was pretty, that was pretty, pretty cool. Because I got to, you know, I was, I was young, uh, we were poor, but I dressed up really, really nice for the Sharp Dressed Man thing. And I think I felt, I felt kind of important, you know, uh, just being dressed like that.
0: Thank you, Steve, for sharing the big five factors that can bring more happiness to your work, your leadership, and your life. And just as a quick summary and reminder, that choose your experience, get the right peeps in the Jeep, do the unright thing, take in the view, and embrace the adventure. Friends, if you want to reach out to Steve, there are a few ways to do it. The first is to go to stevefredland.com. Additionally, you can go to Steve's LinkedIn and connect with him there. We're going to link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And Steve is happy to send an article that he's written called Leadership Lessons from the Cape Buffalo to anyone who reaches out to him. Additionally, if you want to book Steve as a speaker for an event, and that could be a staff retreat, a board retreat, a special fundraising event anything really. If you want to book Steve for an event, he is willing to give an additional 30% off his already discounted nonprofit speaking fee. So what that means is you'll get half off his standard fee. Hey, Steve, thank you again for coming on the podcast.
1: That was a pleasure, Dolph. I always love the questions. I always always love chatting about it and time flew by. So thank you.
0: If today's episode with Steve Fredland started to put you back on the path to finding joy and wonder and awe in what you do, there are two other episodes I am hoping you will check out. The first is episode 179 with Bia Bocalandro, Eight Proven Ways to Feel Happier at Work. And the second is episode 280 with Jennifer Moss, Solving Burnout at Your Nonprofit. That, my friends, is our show for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And I say it every time, I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the consulting practice provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please, if that is what you need, find a licensed, qualified professional in your area.